Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. It is indeed time for Parenting. I'm Moncrief. Joanna Fortune joins us once again. Afternoon, Afternoon. Joanna. Uh, right, here's your first question. My four-year-old daughter, who is a very happy-go-lucky, bubbly and confident, full of fun, said to me this morning about five or six times in a very matter-of-fact way, Mammy, I don't like myself. She went on to say, sometimes I scrape myself in bed. Sometimes I make myself trip in play school. I noticed that she did have some scrapes on her leg last week, but I thought she had hurt herself playing with her brother. I was very shocked. She wouldn't give me any more information. She just kept saying it. How can I probe this more deeply with her? What should I say? I checked with play school and they said uh, they never noticed her trip herself or anything unusual and she's happy there. She's very good socially. Also, she kept saying to me this morning afterwards, you're the best mammy in the world. Not sure if there's a connection there. She says this occasionally, but not as much as this morning. She's very emotionally intelligent little girl. I have noticed this on many occasions, but I am worried about her. She has a wonderful imagination and loves making up stories and make-believe and acting out, but I don't think she can make up something like this. I'm effectively a single mum. Her dad doesn't live with us since she was a baby, though she does see him every second weekend. I never really talked to her about why and how we separated, and I wonder if this is playing on her mind or what could be going on. I mean, gosh, there's a lot in here and I'm just Mm. going to say don't join up too many of these dots too quickly because it may have nothing to do with you and her dad living apart and that's something she, an arrangement she has grown up knowing and I would nearly wait on that at the moment unless she specifically says to you, why do you and daddy live? differently. Mm. And then you answer that, of course. There's a couple of things, sometimes small children, because they don't yet have the emotional fluency developed to say, I'm feeling overwhelmed or, you know, I I really hate when I make silly mistakes or, you know, I feel bad about myself or anything like that. So they tend to equate, um, I don't like how I feel with I don't like myself because Mm. I am my feelings, my feelings are me. So they can come out with something that's easier to say, even though it's very shocking for a parent here, like I don't like myself. But if you were to kind of go into that a bit, going, what is it you don't like? And where does that feeling come from? It's often, I don't like that I stumbled. I don't like that I sometimes forget things or drop things or I'm not able to read. It's really about something else. I don't like how this feels. So you can actually reframe that to her if she says, you know, I don't like myself, say, maybe you're not liking how you feel this morning. What's the name of the feeling today? Is it this? Is it that? And help her that way. What you don't want to do is the very thing I'd nearly guarantee you have done because it's something we would all do. I'm putting myself in that box as well, by the way, is no, you're fabulous. You're wonderful. And we jump in (laughs) and we shower with praise. But if that's not where she's at, that's just telling her she's not understanding herself. That doesn't actually make kids feel better. It just them go, oh, I'm wrong about that as well. Well, (laughs) Um, Instead, I'm going to suggest a couple of really nice little books that are simple and subtle, but cover this in a way that you can keep returning to. And it's not like, you know, a book with a lesson that's so obvious. You're like, here's the big lesson Mm. of the day. There's a book called I Like Myself by Karen Beaumont. And it's lovely. It has a little character who's kind of scatty and a bit rough around the edges and it's all about I like myself and I like being me. There's no one else I'd rather be and it goes through rhyming about I even like the bits of me that aren't so great or that I get wrong or that aren't the nice, neat, tidy bits. And it's a lovely book and Beautiful Oops by Barney Salzberg and there is a little activity book version of that where you can actually do activities with it where it looks at mistakes and things that don't go well and it reframes them as opportunities to create something new or learn something new. And I 
think those are two books that you could add to your bedtime reading or daytime reading and take the lessons from those in how you respond to her. Try not to show the shock. Okay, try not to I can't believe you said that. Try to go, gosh, those are big feelings today that you're Mm, having. Sometimes we have big feeling days and sometimes we don't. Then redirect and distract. And you keep an eye on it and see, is there a pattern? Is there an order to this? She's learning at four years old that actually we do experience a range of feelings, some of which are really difficult and are difficult to talk about. Um, You could encourage self-esteem because why not? It's always worth doing. And I don't want you to hear that as your daughter has low self-esteem. That's what's behind this. But there are ways of scaffolding that up, you know, where you focus everything you say to her. Look at all you can do. Look at those strong legs you have. Let's see how high you can jump. Look at how strong. Look how able you are. Look how. And it's about what she can do rather than how she looks. Always focus on praising her effort over outcome. Even when she shares difficult things like this, that you say, I'm really glad that you could tell me that. It's really good that you and I can talk about feelings, the good ones and the tricky ones. Mm. And you create that expectation for her. Celebrate mistakes, but encourage little bits of independence with her, even from four. It might be that you give her your card in a shop to beep on the machine or to interact with, you know, sales staff or to just manage little bits of independence, giving her some chores around the house so that you can focus on that effort over outcome and have something very tangible to praise her on. I think all of that collectively will get you through this. If this was to escalate, Sean, if this was to become something that had a more pervasive feel to it, that on a daily basis, without any context, her, she was speaking about herself very negatively. It might be worth bringing her to somebody who specializes in work with children. At her age, I would encourage it to be something dyadic, you know, where you're an active part of it so that you would be with her. Because often we work with young children this age by working through the parent with them. So mm. you would be a very important part. And of course, involving her dad in that as well, because she is with him every second weekend and he is a very important relationship in her life. So maybe if it's, I don't know the nature of your separation, but if it's possible for you to link in and say, look, this has reared its head in the house. Maybe just keep an eye on it. If it comes up with you, will you let me know and I'll do the same so that you have that collaborative approach with the scraping, respond with kindness and nurture instead of just saying, don't scrape yourself. Why did you scrape yourself? Just say, I've noticed scrapes on your leg. I've got a lovely cream that will actually make that feel better for you. Mm. And you talk about making that skin or that area feel better rather than focusing on the scrape. Yeah. Okay. She, like the scraping could be, mightn't have anything to do, or, you know, she might have a rash on her leg or something. It could be an itch. And and then you see kids give themselves a scrape and then they notice, oh, I marked my skin. Mm, Let me do it again. And so it could simply be that um, if you feel she's scraping in a way that is drawing blood, Mm. or it is, you know, actually harmful to the skin or causing irritation rather than just uh, a light scrape mark, then I would say to her, you know, I've got to make sure that your nails are short and we don't hurt our bodies because we need our bodies to get us through the day. And let me put cream on it and you keep a closer eye on it. If any of that was to escalate, though, to that level, I would be encouraging you to reach out um, to somebody suitably qualified to guide you through that in person. Mm. If it escalates, though. If it was to escalate at this stage, I wouldn't be rushing to psychopathologize it because it's actually, it's never pleasant, but it is quite normal for kids to say things like, I don't like myself. Mm. 
when really they're finding out ways to express, I don't like how I'm feeling. I don't like the fact that I have to wear a uniform today and not tracksuit or I don't like the fact that it's raining or something else. Yeah. You know, it's a bit of a catch all, but keep an eye on it. I'm having a real problem with my daughter. She has decided that she doesn't want to invite a friend to her birthday party because she says that this friend is annoying and always looking for attention at school. I told my daughter she has to invite her because that's the kind thing to do. And she's always been invited before and it would be very upsetting if she was left out. I'm at my wit's end, to be honest. The child's mother has asked me why my daughter isn't friendly to her daughter at school uh, at the moment. And I don't know what to say. I've threatened my daughter with no party at all if she didn't invite this girl. But that just resulted in tears and hysteria. Sometimes they get on and sometimes they don't. Oh, God, I don't know what to do. The stress and politics of it all. (laughs) (laughs) The politics of parties. But, you know, I'm just struck, Sean, as you were reading that you told your daughter she has to because it's kind. You told her it would be upsetting for her if she was left out. You told her or threatened her no party if you don't. Mm. We haven't heard here from your daughter what is behind this. I don't know the age of this child, which is actually relevant here, but I find myself guessing she's about 10. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I do based on the behaviour. And the reason for that is friendship patterns can change at that age between nine and 11. People I've been friends with, I'm now kind of going, gosh, you kind of irritate me. We're not a good fit anymore. We're not Mm. compatible playmates. And I've changed how I'm feeling in line with how I'm growing up. Not that I've become a nasty person, but actually my thoughts and feelings towards you have changed. Mm. And it's a little bit like when one mom says to or one parent says to another parent, why aren't our kids friends anymore? It is okay to kind of shrug and put your hands up and go, I don't know. I've noticed it too, but you know what? It's a time of change and maybe they're growing apart. Isn't that sad? But it's best we leave them to it. Now, what I would say to you is rather than fight about this, Here's Joanna now trying to close the gate after the horse is bolted. But, you know, rather than just fighting about it, try an empathic response with her. You know, let her know that you understand her feelings, that it is okay to have a really good friend and then for thoughts and feelings to change. You do get that. You're accepting it. Um, But you're wondering, not telling her she'd be very upset, but you're Mm -hmm. wondering how would she feel if there was a party where most of her friend group was going and she was the one not going? How would that feel for her? And then even say, what if you were one of the kids who were going, but you knew one of your friends was left out and feeling really badly? Would that affect how you feel at the party? Try to do that empathic piece with her. And, you know, I also think it is worth saying the other kids coming might feel awkward if one of the group is left out. It might be easier and more pleasant for everyone. You may have to do a line on this because as parents, again, depending on age, I've made an assumption of age here, but you may have to say, look, I cannot let you exclude one child because as the parent, if it happened to you, I would not like that to happen. Yes. So we're um, going to look at this. She is coming and then give your daughter a choice over some other aspect of the party. But you get to choose something else. You may have to do it, but it shouldn't be with this threats or conditions, but just saying, look, I understand how you're feeling. I understand all of this. But as the parent, I've got to step in and say nobody is being excluded. I can't stand over that. Yeah. The the she's annoying and always looking for attention at school. Which it sounds like the sort of thing a ten or eleven year old might exactly say. It's kind where of tweeny talk. Is. It is. Yeah. You see, what I'm wondering though is that is that 
she's annoying and always looking for attention at school. It sounds like not just a thing one child says, that maybe there's a little gang who suddenly find this girl annoying and looking for attention at school because the girl has already been excluded from the group. And so if she invites this girl... The rest, and usually the parties are getting a bit smaller at that point. That's also what I was thinking, uh, which is why if one is yeah, left out, it's it going becomes to be very, very touchy. But yeah. the rest of the group don't want her to come either. And they now, could be that dynamic If there's added layers to it like that, yeah. and we don't know because at the moment it's one parent saying, oh, they're not hanging out anymore. And yeah. it seems these two girls rather. But if the friendship groups are changing, there may well need to be, but be transparent, say to the parents, look, I've talked to her about this. She wants yeah, a really small yeah. party this year. She just wants to invite three kids. This is what's happening. But I really want to be upfront with you about it. Do you know, often, Sean, in this, parents can take this more personally than the children do, yeah. or at least as personally. So I do think being open about it and saying, look, things have clearly changed. I've explored it with her. We're at a stage where the party's going ahead, um, depending on the nature of it. If it's one girl in and they are all friends in a group, think very long and hard about excluding a single child yeah, because yeah. 10 and 11 is a very fragile age. Yeah. You know, it is it is something that can be felt very deeply. If it's that the whole friendship group is changing and evolving and there is other movement in and out of it, then maybe this is about redefining a friendship group. Mm. And depending on, it depends on the nature of the party. I mean, sometimes it's fine to have three kids and then you can only invite three kids. Yeah. Yeah, lots yeah. of people are left yeah. out. Yeah. Oh, God. it's kind of, You know what? It's kind of heartbreaking. You can probably, see why schools yeah. prefer parents to deal with parties off-site and not involve oh, them. God, like, it becomes yeah. very complicated. Poisonous stuff sometimes. Uh, I have a six-year-old, four-year-old and a baby. Uh, that's all you need to write into us. You have our sympathy. Uh, someone observed recently that I use loads of negative type threats to get the kids to do things. For example, they don't like having a healthy dinner. But if they play a card game while eating, I can get them to eat. Usually me saying things like, OK, take a bite or I'm taking the game away. It's this dynamic we have all day long. When I ask them to do things, they often just don't do it. I often try to frame things in a positive way. If you put your shoes on, we can go to the playground. Hooray! But still no action. It's only when I shift to negative framing that my talking seems to land or register at all. Okay, fine. If there are no shoes, we can't go. What a pity. And suddenly they're all action. Someone commented that the kids had a lot of threats going on, but it's literally the only thing that gets a fire under them. Positive framing is just not having the same landing. Is this bad? As it suddenly felt bad when I saw it through the other person's eyes, but not sure how else to keep everyone moving, short of putting on their shoes, etc. for them or going back to spoon feeding. Oh, someone was really helpful, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, they were. Someone, Thank someone you for Someone is yeah. always really insightful and helpful. Um, I'm hoping that someone was related to you because otherwise that's a real boundary issue there. You know, it's easier to look at somebody else's parenting and pass comments and judgment than do But like do behind the their back, like most other people. <laughs> Not to their face. <laughs> to their Have face. you considered how negative you are? Yeah. <laughs> All of that said, though, you know, it, it's there's something about, you know, they can play a card game at the table to eat, but then I'm going to threaten to withdraw the card game if they don't eat. And there's a lot of emotional charge around mm. that. Six-year-olds, four-year-olds, I'm assuming the baby you're you're feeding, but a six and four year old are frankly busy. They have lots of more interesting things to do oh, than yeah. sit at the table and complete a meal. So that is a bit of a battle. I'm wondering, can you all sit together and play a game together like a story game where you all add in? Like, you know, that um, game popcorn storytelling where you start with a kernel and everyone adds on a bit and it, mm. it blossoms. So 
you sit with them. So you're eating and while you're not talking, everyone else has to eat. And then when it's your turn to add in a sentence, you can pause and you structure it. But you're there with them rather than you pottering around and shouting over, sit down and eat, sit down and eat. I'm taking away those cards, which tends to happen with small children. I also think, you know, there's a bit here in the middle when you were saying about, you know, I try that positive stuff about if you do this, hooray, but it doesn't work. Honestly, if your positive reframing is forced, it sounds performative. It doesn't sound authentic. And our kids look at us and go, yeah. oh, then what are you going to do? You're not really selling yeah. that, are yeah. you? But that's because, I mean, we, we say to ourselves, I should be positive. That's not something you can go, be positive, be positive. You have to really believe what you're saying. Yeah. You have to really yeah. believe that putting it that way is going to be effective. And if you're thinking it doesn't, that's why it isn't, Mm. you know. So maybe you really believe in the more soft threats, let's call it, where you're like, we're not going. If you don't do that till I count to five, there we go, job done, out. And that might flow naturally for you. So it might be about looking at how were you responded to when you were a child? All children do this stuff. So like, how were you responded to at times of behavioural transgressions or microaggressions? How do you wish you'd been responded to? What difference would that have made for you? You know, if you Mm. can do that piece and say, actually, I was just told to do it. And oh, it might have been nicer if I'd had more choice. Let that be where you start from. okay? and that isn't about looking at someone else to blame, by the way, on Mm. this. It's more about understanding why is it that we lean into certain behaviour patterns or speech patterns because we actually deem them to be the way to do things. It was somebody else who pointed this out to you. It was a bit of a blind spot for you until it was pointed out. Our motivational systems, remember, are activated by threat or fear of consequence or reward, excitement, achievement. Mm. So if you lean into the more I'll do it because I really have to have no other option and if not, there'll be trouble. That's what's influencing how you parent. If you are motivated by because it's exciting, it's worthwhile, it's worth doing, you will embody that. So I feel in this, if you were doing anything or looking to change anything, start with yourself. And I don't say that lightly because it would be much easier if you could just fake it till you make it with that positive stuff. But it's not working because it's not flowing. It's not authentic for you. I also think you could uh, try a bit of challenge play as a bridge here in the meantime. And I don't mean make who eats their dinner the quickest the thing, because actually that brings up a whole other set of issues <laughs> yeah. with digestion and food. But actually sitting and saying, I'm going to play four songs and by the end of the fourth song, dinner will be done. Let's see, can we do it? Because that's given a good 15 minutes yeah. to sit yeah. there. And yeah. if you got them to sit and eat for 15 minutes, job done. Mm. Okay, that's good. Um, And if you do a little bit of, I wonder who will be able to find their shoes and get their feet inside them quickest. Yeah. Do a little bit of that with them where they're excited to do the thing you're asking them to do. And you reframe it as a challenge. I wonder, can we all make it to the car by the time I get to 20? We're working collaboratively because it's in my interest for my sibling to also get to the car because it's we all have to get there. And if you take those kinds of approaches, that is a nice bridge while you're building up some of that more positive, authentic, positive reframing. Um, If and then, I see you're doing a bit of it actually, but if and then can be effective, you know, if you get your shoes on, then we get to go to the playground and have fun. If you don't get your shoes on, we have to stay at home and miss the playground. So you're putting it to them that there is a choice 
but each choice has a consequence. Your six-year-old might respond to that. Your four-year-old is not really going to consistently get that developmentally. And four-year-olds often need help with things like feeding, shoes, because they get distracted so easily. Oh, absolutely. I don't know why I'm thinking this, but I'm thinking the six-year-old and the four-year-old are boys and they're far too busy <laughs> making noise and around the place. And they're having fun together oh, and playing. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And that's, I mean, they are distractible, they are busy, they're active and doing the things that grown-ups want them to do is just down the pecking order when you're that age. It's yeah. just not, that's not what motivates me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Joanna, uh, great as ever to have you in. Uh, thanks a million. Thanks, uh, Joanna Fortune there. Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2 p.m. on News Talk.